Hello and welcome to Deja Vu, the Ithacan's weekly review podcast. I'm Reviews Editor Jake Leary, and I'm here with a guest you might not be familiar with. His name is Colin Tessier. He's a staff writer for our paper. Um, he's been on, you know, once or twice. We're going to talk about remakes today. going to do something a little bit more evergreen, not focus on a movie. We're just going to do an individual topic because remakes are a real fascinating beast for me particularly, but just in Hollywood in general, because we're constantly bombarded by remakes of movies that didn't need to be remade. Now we're coming up on another remake, uh, Flatliners, big horror remake, and horror is a genre that is rife with this unnecessary, you know, retelling. Remakes are an interesting thing because I think in so many cases they don't need to exist. You know, I'm hard-pressed to think of a remake that was warranted. Colin, anything, anyone out there that comes to mind? It. Okay, maybe I should have had it a beyond the obvious one thrown in there. It is a good example of it. I can understand the reasoning why, even if it's a little... It's mixed. I think when it comes down to a remake, the only reason to remake something depends on what you like as a person. So if you asked me what needed to be remade, I would tell you... I would have told you a couple weeks ago, it. I would tell you Alice in Wonderland. Not because I think that needs to be a thing, but because I like those things, so I want to see more of them. And I would tell you any number of comic book movies that have failed in the past that I'd want to see another shot at them being made... Again, you know, you look at Fantastic Four, you know, that, that franchise has gotten a couple shots at remakes and everyone's, the past several attempts have uh, been very lackluster, especially the most recent one, which really seemed to have killed any chance of the Fantastic Four being present in comic book movies going forward for at least some time. And that's the tricky thing. It's the already evil remakes, also evil twin brother, the reboot. And you see that, again, especially in comic book movies where... They're not going to tell the exact same story again. They're going to tell a very similar story so that they can tell more stories that are similar to the previous ones. And I think Fantastic Four is a really great example of this, but even better is Spider-Man, where in two decades we've had three Spider-Man franchises. And they're not quite remakes, but they're a little better. It, it's tough because I, as a gut reaction, I don't want a remake because it's taking time and money away from something new that could be made. Exactly. Um, an adaptation of something even instead of like an explicit remake and that becomes messy because you get multiple adaptations. It's just too much too often. And again, Spider-Man is the golden example here. How long do you need before those reboots or remakes happen? Like how long are we supposed to wait or just should we skip it at all? Like when when is it okay? My gut answer is 10 years, but even then you run in, into the Spider-Man problem where it just really gets diluted because we've had so many in such a short period of time. So then you think, you know, 15 is a pretty fair number, but I think it really has a good gap between its initial movie, which came out in 1990, and 2017, which is 27 years. I think in that case, it's better to wait longer and kind of have it fade from the collective consciousness and kind of have people, if not forget about it, just not think about it as much, and then bring it back for, in this case, 27 years later and really have it come out guns a-blazing and have it really be appreciated because it hasn't been seen in almost three decades. I think that would be a better way to go about it rather than saying, oh, it's only been five years since we've had a Spider-Man movie. We, we need another one right now. But that's a shaky thing because with it, people have a love for that 1990 miniseries, but it's not like a classic. You know, you look at something like Psycho, which had a remake. And it was like a shot-for-shot -shot remake. There was no reason for that movie to exist. And yet, 
you had one in 1960, the original, the the one of the most famous horror movies of all time, and then you had one in 1998. Why? I mean, that's almost 40 years, but no value was added. A lot of the time when you look at remakes, the intention is to modernize the story. With Psycho, you said that came out in ni- 1960. The world is unrecognizably different in a lot of ways between 1960 and 1998. So it's about kind of making it a more modern story. It's about let's take this the elements of the story and the plot and apply it to the modern, modern world. I think you see that a lot of times, you know, in horror movies, they'll kind of bring Dracula or Frankenstein into the modern day and kind of explore the impact of that because it does change the story in some ways and it does make it, or at least it can, make it more fresh. I think that's really the reason that at least the studios feel the need for it. Now, as viewers, I think we can all agree that sometimes it's definitely not necessary. Um, there's, there's a really, there's no way to really know how much modernizing something will contribute to it. Sometimes it will, will make a huge difference. Sometimes same exact story, slightly different setting. It's not much of a difference. Again, that's a tricky thing. Every story is told in the moment. You were gonna if we if I were to write a story in 2017 and 40 years later somebody wanted to remake that same story you're remaking an artifact of the past and trying to make it something in that present moment and you can't do that you know jumping back to psycho psycho exists in 1960 and it's great because it was released in 1960 you see that classic footage of audiences seeing psycho for the first time and screaming their heads off because it blew their minds and we watch it now and we understand that that happened but you're not going to be able to capture that moment and do the same thing now you can create a new story that might have that effect but going back to the well isn't going to bring up the same quality of water to use a phrase i just pulled out of nowhere well said Thank you. I pride myself on my things, and my voice cracks too, apparently. You just can't do that. And I think it's so rare for us to get a remake that works because of that fact. And our, our favorite example of the day, because we're recording this two days after it came out, is it. And that does work. And there is a timeless element to it, but I don't know if you needed that remake at all. I think you could have just left that miniseries be a shrug and then go back and read the book. And you will, the face that the audience can't see, but I can see very clearly, seems to say that. In addition to modernizing the stories, another big reason I think that studios want to make these films from the past into modern day takes on them, special effects. You look at the 1990 miniseries, both in the sense that that wasn't a feature film and that both the technology of the time they really couldn't capture a lot of the horror aspects as well because it was the the effects at the time. But now, you know, technology has progressed so much and will continue to do so. So technology will probably, in addition to that want, that d- desire to modernize the story, technology will probably drive that desire to keep making remakes, not to be redundant, but because they open up ver- countless possibilities in terms of how that you can capture... It doesn't apply to every genre, but how you can capture superheroes and horror movies and other things that do really sometimes lean on special effects to get the story across. Now, granted, you, that's not that doesn't always ring true. You can shine something up, however much you like, with technology and special effects. It doesn't really change the fact that sometimes the story or the remake doesn't work. It doesn't translate well in the modern day because, as you said, it takes an artifact of the past. But I do think that technology really does offer a good incentive to make remakes. I think it does. And 
look, I would be a bad host and bad lover of all things Hollywood if we didn't also acknowledge that it was money. You know, you look back 10 years ago, I think there were all the Michael Bay produced remakes of classic horror movies. Oh, that was an, another interesting expression that the viewer can only imagine. Um, those movies benefited from updated special effects and bigger budgets, I'd assume even proportionally, but they're not good movies. Could they have been? Could they ever have been? I don't know. I just know that the originals were, and maybe that's kind of how we should think about it. You know, I'm not trying to blaze any new trails here. Saying remakes aren't a great idea isn't the newest thing out there, but I just want to know why we do this so often, and why we get excited so often. I know for a fact I go, I do all the time. I think at the end of the day, for the studios, it's money, and for the audience, it's whatever the interest is. If it's the it's if it's a remake of a superhero movie, a lot of people will be interested in that. If it's bringing Jason Voorhees back, you know, there that's a huge following. I think no matter what, there will be for a lot of categories interest just because it's a huge fan base. Studios want to make the money and they have that fan base to count on because they know there will be interest there. You're cashing the nostalgia chip. Yes. Which is is so and that applies to the sequel conversation which we will one day have too. You know, you're playing off of people who already love something and you're sucking that reaction out of them for everything it's worth. And like I said, it works. I'm my own worst enemy on this one, I guess, but we're all out of time. That's the end of our show. If you have any questions, comments, complaints, any other thing that starts with a cuss sound so I can really keep that alliteration going, send an email to ithacanlifeandculture at gmail.com. If you don't know how to spell Ithacan, you're on the Ithacan website where it's in the title, so figure it out there. It has an N at the end. Um, if you want to reach out to me, you can tweet me at jd underscore leary or you can email me at jleary at ithaca.edu colin where can people reach out to you you can reach me at my email c tessier t-e-s-s-i-e-r at ithaca.edu if you want to contact me thank you so much for coming by been an honor jake i'm always glad to be on for deja vu i'm jake leary thank you for listening (laughs) 